is up, wrestling fans? It is that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. That is right, it is time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607 T. WS, and you know you're locked in and tuned in to the only pro wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. As always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host of 607TWS, and I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week you know him as the co-host here on 607TWS, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? And we have some pro wrestling to talk about. Uh, we know we're going to be back down to the, the two segments this week, I think, because not a whole lot going on outside of the big event that went down this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. And of course, that would be Survivor Series, WWE Survivor Series. War Games. And of course, we're going to be giving our full-on review of that in the opening contest. And then in the second half of the show, we will be going through the indie rundown, including uh, the AIW show this past weekend uh, on Fight Plus. Also, we'll be uh, previewing two GCW shows upcoming this weekend, plus a Wrestling Revolver show all on Fight Plus. And last but certainly not least, we'll be talking about some some rumors in innuendo coming out of the AEW camp in regards to CM Punk. I know we're back on that because, I mean, let's be honest, it just won't go away. It won't. Maybe it'll go away after this. Maybe. If this is true, maybe it'll go away. That's the tease I'm going with. Fair enough. That's what I'm hoping for. But before we can dive in and jump into the world of pro wrestling, I first want to say... Uh, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving that lives in the United States of America. If you live outside and you don't celebrate, you know, once again, that is just our day where we get really fat. And then afterwards on Black Friday, we get really greedy. So, you know, it's the American way. It works. It it works out. And, uh, you know, I did partake in that as most Americans. Mm -hmm. So I hope everybody's was good with their families and such, because that's what I really look forward to. And the Thanksgiving tradition is is also the Survivor Series, let's be honest. Yes. And then, you know, uh, other than that... I would like to just say, I hope every listener had a good week. Yeah, indeed. I hope everybody had a very safe and healthy week off here from the last episode. Definitely was a good time. Family came in. The Buffalo Bills won. So it was always a good time. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm I, here now recording on a Sunday. Uh, just peeled back the curtain a little bit. So I do not know if the Raiders, when I last checked, the Raiders were still winning. But we, I'll find out momentarily. With that being said, though, before we can dive in and talk wrestling, because that's what you want to hear, Ken M, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the Patreon link, along with the T Public link. You can also check out Parley Points blog section, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, the directory, which has all the providers we're on, and so much more. It all can be found at odphpodcast.com. I would like to point out the Raiders did win in overtime. Let's 40 go. To 34. Uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. Sorry, dog. Uh, and if you would like to find out anything about the 3FN podcast, uh, it's simple. And to conversate with me, all the social medias and everything are right on 3FNpodcast.com. You know, all the links are there. The T Public link is there if you'd like to hook, uh, uh, get some cool swag and help support the show. Also, uh, Patreon, 
com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month to get a ton of extra bonus content. And uh, that the link is on the website as well. Plus, if you sign up before uh, December 1st, you will be getting uh, the holiday uh, card from the 3FN and uh, a chance to win a gift card. Uh, two gift cards. If you're on the $3 tier, there's two gift cards going to be given away. Uh, you get entered twice if you are on the uh, $3 tier, one time if you're on the $1 tier. So it's kind of cool. And we don't tell who's going to win. Mm-hmm. We just send it in there. So you have to open up the card and find out for yourself. I, I liked it so much last year. I did it again this year. It's an awesome way to do it. So if you want to get in on, on that fun, December uh, the 1st is the cutoff date for that on our Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. Also, while you're there, check out friends of the show like the ODPH, the musical directory where you can find such bands as Floodlands, who does the theme song for 607 TWS. This song is called Ruins. Check them out. Support them on Spotify, YouTube, Music, and Bandcamp. And last but certainly not least, you can find out about our local sponsors, including the prime sponsor for most of our endeavors here at 607 Podcast, uh, 3FN Podcast, and more. And that, of course, is Dragon Master Games. They are the direct sponsor of 607 TWS, so we thank them so much. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. They had some great sales this weekend. So Fantastic So they're, they're carrying them over, so make sure you get on that. If you're in the 607, stop by the store, 1235 Upper Front Street in Binghamton, New York. It's all a great time. Well... Now the business is out of the way, Ken M. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot going on. I hope you're ready. I hope you packed a lunch because it's going to be a good one. And uh, I also hope you uh, packed your watch because I do believe it's time. It is time to kick off the show. And we are going to start off, just like I said, with our review of the WWE Survivor Series. Wall Games. And, of course, that went down this past Saturday from the TD Garden House Arena in lovely, beautiful, vivacious Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, I say that with all the love of my Actually, believe it or not, I love Boston. This is true. He even, does. even though I'm a New York Yankees fan. I love the city of Boston. It's one of the cleanest big cities on the planet. I love going there. There's a lot of geeky stuff you can do in Boston. Uh, there's a lot of beer in Boston. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of good times. So I do really love Boston. But anyways, uh, we, we talk about Boston, Massachusetts, and its history with the Survivor Series is, is, is key and clutch. It's such a historical city for world wrestling entertainment, so it could only be the house. Mm-hmm. That or New York City would have had to have been the house for the first ever War Games. In my opinion, what's your thoughts? No, absolutely. If you're going to do War Games anywhere, Boston had to be the place. I agree. So that went down this past Saturday, starting around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the pre-show. 8 p.m. was the main show. No matches on the pre-show, but it was on the Peacock. Cock, cock, the, the Peacock. peacock. And uh, unless you were there in attendance, which that would be pretty badass, which I was there. Let's kick it off with the opening contest. The opening contest was the women's war games match. We did call that one. Mm-hmm. 39 minutes, 40 seconds at the end of the day. Team Belair, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Mia Yim, and Becky Lynch defeated Team Bailey, Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Eos Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley via pinfall. Well, via double pinfall after a beautiful senton leg drop, whatever you want to call it, from the top of the cage through a table on uh, the two members of Damage Control by one returning Becky Lynch throwing caution to the fucking wind. 
this match was was a great opening contest. Mm-hmm. I loved this match. I thought it was one of the best women's war games matches, and we've seen a few now. Now that NXT has been doing them for a couple of years, uh, this was Rhea Ripley's third war games match, as they announced. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so Rhea Ripley has done war games three times. I know Dakota Kai. This was her second or third as well. Third, I believe. So there's a there's a lot of experience in this, this war games match mm-hmm. amongst the competitors. I think this was uh, Eo Sky's also second war games match. Yeah, it's her second and Dakota Kai's third. Yeah, so I mean they're. Lots of lots of experience, and it paid off because I thought this match went over really great. Let's talk about some of the highlights of the match. I'll start with you, Ken. What did you think? What did you like? What are the highlights in your mind of the women's war games match to open Survivor Series? In my opinion, the MVP of the women's war games match was Dakota Kai because for the uh, the crazy bumps she took, especially the one that Bianca Belair was trying to throw her powerbomb style into the cage, and it just came up short, and it looked like a nasty fall. She sold that perfectly got right up and went right back to work at it she was just taking a lot of crazy moves and it really helped elevate the status of the the match because obviously war games is going to be a wild scenario and especially being the opening wall games match they want to set that tempo quick i thought they did a great job doing that i thought the dynamic between team bailey was kind of interesting with rhea ripley doing pull-ups waiting in the cage while nikki cross is standing on top of it so you knew you're expecting something special here but Becky Lynch's finisher jumping off the top of the cage. How crazy was that? It was very crazy. And then to hear Triple H later in the night during the press conference go, hey, you know what she didn't tell you about the story is when we approached her saying, hey, would War Games work for you as your return, knowing that she was ready to go? You know, there was a little bit of hesitation, not in her, you know, I'm not against her, but, you know, hey, you're coming back from injury, you don't know. And to her credit, like most things, before we could even finish the conversation, she's like, I'm in. You know, she's a gamer. And he was like, we went from that moment of, you know, kind of discussing and then saying yes to like two days later, I'm being told, hey, Becky wants to know if she can jump off the top of the cage through <laughs> two ta- through two people on a table for the finish. And he's like, like, that's just the warrior she is. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I love that little peek behind the curtain there. And I thought that was really intriguing. Uh, I like the match overall. I think that once again, like it's a lot of it's a hard work and energy when you have two matches. Mm-hmm. on a card that are the same because there's two war games matches we opened the night with a war games match we ended the night with a war games match which we figured would happen mm-hmm. and it's always hard to have two of the same gimmicks in the same night we've done it before in wwe and you've seen the tale of where it failed on this night a little peek to the end both of them were really good and they were both different mm-hmm. i like this match was a lot more violent not that the men's one wasn't no but, but this was, had more physicality there was more physicality more violence i mean let's be honest most of bailey's getting in the ring was spent putting like three ladders four tables a bunch of chairs like all the weapons under the ring pretty much bailey unloads into the cage yeah later on the men's match we saw a few tables and a couple chairs but it wasn't to the extent of you know what they did in the women's match and i liked how they differentiated the two i thought they took it did a good job Uh, once again i thought there wasn't there wasn't a part where i was like man i'm not into this match Mm -hmm. I was into the match. I thought the high impact, all of them laid it on the line. I'm just happy that so far we haven't found out anybody was injured during the match. And and it all looked tight. I'm not saying it looked like somebody got injured, but you're you know what? That's and it, you don't know what's going to happen inside of that element. Oh, absolutely. That's so. That's the scary thing about it is you just don't know, and and nobody comes out of that 100. percent But all the competitors really gave their all in it, and I thought the women's war games match 
really was trying to steal the show, and it almost did until the very end. And I also want to point this out. It was a great open to the show. Yes. It got the crowd in. Triple H did go on to talk about how he thinks that the opener is just as important as the main event. We've talked about that in Mm -hmm. the past. I have the same booking philosophy. I think the opener sets the tone for the evening. I think it needs to be your second match of the night, second second or third best match of the night. I don't think that it should be the worst match. Some people believe that for some reason. No, it should be your second to third best match of the night. I would say second. It could be third or whatever. Just It's got to be one of your top three matches. Oh, absolutely. You always want the main event to be the best match. That doesn't mean it's going to be the best match, but you always want it to be the best match when you're booking a show. Oh, yeah, because you want it to be the pace car. You want it to get your crowd into it, especially how the wrestlers feed off that live energy. So if you have a dud opening, it's going to carry through the, the remainder of the show. But what they did in this match is all the female competitors really just stepped it up and really wanted to say, hey, we're going to be the main event. This is the main event right here. And it portrayed that, and the crowd was definitely feeding off it. I know we mentioned the press conference. We're going to talk a little bit more about it at the end, so I'm not going to go into detail with some of the questions that were very good that were asked to uh, the winners of this match, which uh, representing in the press conference would be Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. We will talk about that later and save those. Let's move along on the card, though. The second match of the evening, 18 minutes and 25 match, and it was a singles match where AJ Styles with the OC in his corner defeated Finn Balor with the Judgment Day in his corner via pinfall. And you know what? This is what I thought it was going to be and more. You know that both of these guys were going to deliver. It is Finn Balor and AJ Styles at the end of the day, two of the very best wrestlers in the history of the business, period. On top of that, I like how they handled the outside stuff where we got a little brawl between the OC and Judgment Day where they powdered the fuck off. Mm -hmm. So we had a nice one-on-one match for the majority of this match, believe it or not. Uh, The only really shade I have in this match, I thought this match was phenomenal. The only shade I have is why in the hell were both men deciding they were going to wear masks? I think they've been wearing to the ring. They both wore masks. I really think they've been watching way too much independent wrestling. (laughs) I agree with you. That was the only puzzling thing about this. It was... Not sure why we were doing this, but once you got down to business, this was exactly what I think everybody was expecting and more. Just to echo your statements, like this was textbook like greatness. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Next up, we had the WWE Women's SmackDown Championship match. This match got 7 minutes and 15 seconds at the end of the day, and still your WWE Women's SmackDown Champion, Ronda Rousey, as she defeated Shotzi via submission. This match didn't do it for me, Ken. I'm going to be honest with you. We call it right down the middle. This was one of the worst uh, matches I've seen in quite some time. I'm going to say this. I've said it a long time. Ronda Rousey is only as good as her opponent in the ring, and I'm not taking a shot at Shotzi. Shotzi's a very good worker. However, Shotzi likes to like air things out and throw some Hail Marys, and you can't do that with Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. You can't. Like We got saw it exposed with the DDT to the outside. It just didn't work. On top of that, there was a couple other little hiccups. I only I really feel that Ronda Rousey only has good matches when she's in there against like the elite of and I don't mean that as all elite but the elite of the women's division uh, I'm I'm I specifically the Bianca Belairs the Sasha Banks the you know Charlotte's. Charlotte's Becky Lynch's of the world and I mean and there's a few other names that I'm I don't mean to forget them Oscar probably would get a real good match out of her as well mm-hmm. but like. Like you have to be the elite of the elites, and Shotzi's a good female wrestler. She's, yes, she could be the corner piece, and she's going to be, and she's young, and she's going to be a star in the, you know, as as time goes on. She's just not at the level where you can carry somebody as green as Ronda Rousey, in my opinion. No, I agree with you, and that's why I say it was one of the worst because their styles just clashed and did not click from the start of the match to the end, and and the turning point for everything 
was that botched DDT to the apron that Ronda did not want to take. And the crowd, the crowd tuned out at that point. Exactly. Everybody checked out. I mean, I, I had you message me and go, hey, did I just hear we want Sasha chance? Yes. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I tuned the match out as soon as like, I was like, this is terrible. And we went on talking about horror films <laughs> like where I was watching it. I was like, so no, I tuned it out. And uh, sure enough, they, they were chanting. But then again, you're in Boston, the hometown. Oh, yeah, of you're, you're going to expect it. But like I say, when you lose the crowd like that, it's it's just downhill from there. And unfortunately, like I say, this is one of the worst matches I've seen in quite some time. I feel bad for Shachi. She's yeah, going to be too. able. be able to rub it off, though. I think she's going to be uh, one of the top-tier women down the road. She's definitely building up. Her time will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you know, with Ronda Rousey, it is what it is. She's a box office draw because of her name. Let's be honest. Yeah. And we're just going to have to deal with it until WrestleMania, where I fully anticipate it will be Ronda Rousey defending that title and losing that title to Charlotte Flair. Oh, I agree with it. I mean, that's that's the whole thing they're ba- they're building towards. So in the meantime, we just have to grin and bear it. But it's, it's just a tough break for Shotzi. Like, I know she was really trying to get the most out of Ronda she could, but it just was not working. And it sucks that we have to grin and bear it, but I was uh, talking to a, a friend of ours uh, earlier in the day about this, and I, I'm going to repeat what I said to him here. Basically, what they've kind of done is, like, he was like, well, the Raw women's roster is looking fucking, like, mighty. It's fucking great. It's like, like hitter banger after banger, hitter after hitter the best women's wrestlers you know probably arguably one of the best if not the best women's roster on the planet and then you have smackdown where it's like limping along and i basically was like well unfortunately i think what they're doing is sacrificing the women's roster because they don't want to bring over alexa or asuka or becky or bailey or dakota or anybody who they're playing a big major role in on raw they don't want to bring them to smackdown to job to to ronda. ronda in the meantime they i i swear to god I, I would be surprised if what we're not going to get is ronda versus charlotte at mania and that's what they're building towards that's fine so basically they're like okay well we'll let her just run through these people if the matches are good or bad it's you know it, sucks, it, is, what but it, it is. is what it is and we'll put on some of the best women's matches and women's clinics over here on the raw roster with probably the top draw in women's wrestling and beyond Bianca Belair on top. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. So I, I just kind of, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I don't defend it, but I get what they're doing because at least they're not hurting some of the other wrestlers. Now, mind you, they might summon somebody over just to like, build something up. But at this point in juncture, I just don't think that they want to, and I'm not talking about physically hurt. No, no, but, but you, like but hurt you, their image, if you will. Exactly. Because they want to build up Ronda to be a Lesnar type. That she's just dominating all the competition thrown at her. So when Charlotte makes her triumphant return at Mania, it's that much bigger. I, I honestly, though, if they were going to do something, I would do something maybe with Alexa Bliss. Because Alexa mm-hmm. Bliss is great at selling. She's she's good at all the intangibles. And she has had a decent match with Ronda before. Yeah. So I think that if they were going to move anybody over, maybe Alexa Bliss to do a little program with. Because it's believable. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they'll do that or not. I'm assuming that uh, in the meantime, we're going to probably maybe get a Raquel Gonzalez versus Ronda feud, which is going to be terrible. Yeah. Unless, of course, they decide to pull the trigger a little early and have her versus Shayna. Which may also not be good. No, I, I, unless they really want to go like MMA style. But, yeah, I agree with you. Right, it's going to be a rough one. That's all I'm saying. See, I'm fair to everybody because mm-hmm. as, 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 as much as I didn't like the women's uh, TBS title match at full gear, I really didn't like this one either. Uh, next up, 
We had the triple threat match for the WWE United States Championship. 14 minutes and 50 seconds is what this match got at the end of the day. And your new WWE United States Champion, Austin Theory, as he defeated Seth freaking Rollins and Bobby Lashley. Uh, and, of course, he pinned Seth Rollins for the victory. And once again, everybody went on the burying Austin mm-hmm. Theory. And then we get this great match. Once again, it was a 14, it was a 15 minute match, pretty much, right? Yeah. And uh, you know what? Sometimes people are like, well, it didn't get a half hour. It doesn't need a half hour. This match did everything it needed to do in 15 minutes. And I, I'm being serious. I thought this match was phenomenal. This is one of the best matches of the night, if, you know, in ring work wise, and not considering, not counting in a, or, uh, a, a War Games match. I think this might have actually been the best match that wasn't inside of the cage, in my opinion. I had this as my match of the night, to be honest with you. And even with the two great wall games matches, if you're talking about in-ring action mixed with story, this had it. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So I like, agree. So like I say, that's where I gave the edge too because this is something that they're going to be rebuilding Austin Theory now with Triple H's guidance, not the Vince project. And I think people got to realize that, that, yeah, Triple H sees a star in this kid. He's got a bright future. Let's build him this way. I agree. Uh, I love the ending of this match, by the way. Uh, you get to the end of the match, and you get Seth frickin' Rollins hitting the superplex from the top rope and going for the all-familiar Falcon Arrow after the roll-through. When that happens, Bobby Lashley spears Seth oh, Rollins. brutal, too. Austin Theories falls on top of Seth Rollins. Because of the spear and the momentum, Lashley rolls away. By the time he rolls back, we've got the three count. One, two, three. Austin Theories, your new champion. Yeah. I just thought it was a perfect way for him to win. I, th- I thought it was excellent. The way. only real mistake in this match was that the, the opening the Titantron. Uh, Titantron when the, the Beyblade. Yep. So for... maybe we could just call Austin Theory Beyblade. Yeah, I was seeing the, that those memes go across the internet. That was funny. That's that's the only botch, and that was the only mistake, I, in my opinion, in this match. I thought it was very good. Mm-hmm. So, so much for burying Austin Theory. He is now your new WWE United States Champion. I think he's going to be doing good things. Once again, do I agree with how it happened? No, but I do understand taking the, the briefcase off of him, and I, I, I do applaud them on not having him like lose that briefcase to somebody. We just had that happen a couple years ago with Otis, yep. and it's happened four times in the history. So how about we just figure, you know, fuck it, just do something different. Yeah. We're we're trying to wipe the slate, get rid of it. Let's do what we do. I understand some people thought it was a burial, which the word gets thrown around too much because fast forward, he gets the belt. So does it matter? Mm. No, no, absolutely not. Well, that's going to bring us to the main event of the evening. And that, of course, was the men's war game match between the bloodline and the brawling brutes, and of course, this movie was this movie. It, it was felt a movie. like a movie. It was like a movie. I, I, I'm not even going to fix that. It was it was like a movie. Mm-hmm. This storyline is one of the best storylines told in wrestling currently, right now, in my in my estimation, and possibly of all time when it's all said and done. If they continue on this trajectory, let's just talk about the mini story that we got coming into this, shall mm-hmm. we? Sure. So, as we know, there's been some friction between Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. Jey Uso is not feeling Usi, if you will. <laughs> And we've, we've carried this over, and it's gone time and time again, so we fast forward to Friday Night SmackDown, the SmackDown right before War Games. And Sami Zayn gets cornered in the hallway by his friend Kevin Owens, who says, hey, listen, man, you're, you're a fool. You're a fool. Well, they're my family. They're, they're not. They're not. And I'm going to tell you what. You see what Roman does to his blood. What do you think he's going to do to you when he gets pissed at you? And this is, this is what's going to happen, Sammy. They're going to turn on you. They're going to beat you down. My advice to you is to turn on them first because it's going to happen. And who overhears all of this, Ken M? Jey Uso. 
So fast forward later in the night, there's some miscommunications. Jey Uso ends up losing the advantage, which I thought was ingenious. Usually the heel team gets the advantage. Mm-hmm. So having the face advantage, I know that uh, I was watching my good, my, our good friend George, and he was like, dude, why did they give the face team the advantage? I'm like, because it's different. Nobody yeah. expected it. It was fucking cool. I like how they worked it. Everything they've done with this storyline thus far has been hidden. So fast forward to Survivor Series proper, and before the show, we get a little inner backstage segment where Jey Uso finally tells Roman Reigns, hey, listen, I, I caught Sammy talking to Kevin Owens. And not only was he talking to him, he lied to me about it. So Roman said, listen, you're my right-hand man. You worry about that. I'll worry about everything else. And then he tells the wise man, get Sammy Zayn. Mm-hmm. So Sammy comes and meets during the show. We get another segment. Sammy comes down, sits in front of the tribal chief. Tribal chief says, hey, I heard that you lied to Jey Uso about talking to somebody. And uh, Sammy goes, yes, you know, I wasn't forthcoming. You know what? I did lie because I didn't want him to think about it. I didn't want him to distract himself in the match. You know, there was so much on the line. I didn't need him to be distracted. And he goes, so you talked to Kevin Owens. He's like, well, really, he talked to me. Well, what did he say to you? Well, he told me that you guys were going to eventually turn on me, so I should turn on you first. Look me in my eyes and tell me who you, you know, who you're loyal to. And Sammy gives this beautiful, you're my family. Mm-hmm. I'm one of only five people who can enter this locker room. And, and you, you think I would jeopardize that. And, you know, very emotional. We end with, you know, the big dog giving him a hug. But the look on Roman's face. Godfather-esque. Told a different story. We're like, oh, shit. Is Sammy Zayn going to get left out the hang? Now let's get to the, the, this, the main event match. First man in, Jey Uso. Second man in with a 2-1 advantage for the Brawling Brutes team was supposed to be Jimmy Uso until Roman grabbed him and said, Sammy, you go. Yes. So now we had Sammy and Jay, who do not get along, in the cage together, and Sammy saves Jay Uso at least four times. Mm-hmm. So he's he's automatically going in that. And then finally, when we get everybody in the cage, we get a couple teases of Kevin and Sammy teeing off. Yep. Crowd's eating it up, but it doesn't happen. Something else happens. Loved how they put it together. And so finally, we get into that end portion. The end portion, you know... There's a stunner on the big dog. It looks like it's over. Referee, one, two, and Sami Zayn grabs the arm of the referee. Makes the save. Makes the save. Him and him and Kevin Owens get up. Kevin Owens is like, really? You know, you, you, you know, going into it, going, you know, going back and forth, kind of reiterating stuff. Jimmy Uso goes to throw a super kick at, at Kevin Owens. He catches the leg. When he catches the leg, he goes to say something to Sammy. But Sammy drops to a knee and low blows Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Backing Kevin Owens in the corner, he looks at Roman. Roman gives him the nod. We get the haluva kick on Kevin Owens. And as Kevin falls forward, Sammy catches him. And it's that moment where he's sliding down his body. And Sammy has this look of pity and remorse. But at the same time, he just tosses him to the ground. And then as Jey Uso climbs to the top rope, he just holds his arm open as a sacrifice. Kevin Owens becomes a sacrifice as Jey Uso hits the splash in the 1-2-3. Bloodline wins the war games. And after the match, you have this real confused look on Sammy's face at first. Like, what have I done? What am I doing? I don't know. But then the big dog gives him a hug. And then Jey Uso. Yeah. And Sammy Zayn hugs. This was the moment. It is. This is the moment where Sami Zayn became Sami Uso. And I thought this was a tremendous put-together match. Told a beautiful story. Uh, let's get our, your takes on the story that I just laid out. And obviously you watched as well. The story is hitting every single point you want. You want to throw around the term long-term booking. This 
has been long-term booking at its best. The slow burn for this and the trials and tribulations of Sami Zayn rising through the ranks to now being officially one of the bloodline has been must-watch television. And you can't escape it. You are locked in. If you are a pro wrestling fan, this is your storyline. Uh, absolutely. Now let's switch gears and just talk about the match in general. Outside of that wonderful story and how it ended, I thought this match was good. Very solid Very match. Very good match. I mean, we got a little bit of everything in this match. Uh, we opened the match with Butch and Jey Uso, and I thought they tore it down for the first five minutes. Oh, yeah. Such a good match, such a build. And then from there, every, it seemed like everybody who came in had something to do. Good spots in the match. Nothing that was too over the top and ridiculous, but you didn't need it. You had just good wrestling in this match. You had good working it over. I, I, you know, it could have ended a million times, mm-hmm. and I would have been okay with it. But the way it played out, the way the story went, bravo! That's how you put a fucking story on. Yeah. That's how you put it on there. Bloodline wins, digging it. The crowd's in there. Let's be honest. Seventy-five percent of that crowd in Boston when the Bloodline came out, I saw those ones in the air, and I know I held my hand up the entire time, acknowledging Same. my tribal Same. team. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm acknowledging the tribal chief right now because that's what we do here. We call it right down the middle, but that's because the tribal chief is number one. Mm -hmm. Now, the event as a whole, how did you feel about Survivor Series as a whole? The event as as a whole I thought was solid. If I have to give it a grade, I give it a B plus. I really thought that the storylines told a great match. Um, I mean, obviously, the bloodline stole the show with the ending and that's the one moment that everybody's talking about but the women's war game match was fantastic aj and finn was aj and finn and it was everything that i was expecting unfortunately the ronda match took it down for me and just it took me out of the show for a little bit but once the triple threat got going i thought that was brilliant that was my favorite match of the night overall with story and action and then i mean how do you top that ending I agree. See, I'm going to I'm going to go a little different than you. I'm going to say it's just straight A. It's not an A+. It's not going to make out to the best uh, one of the year and the reason why is the women's match. It didn't take me out as much though. Like I just tuned it out and said, "You know what? This is terrible and I'm going to just kind of do what I'm doing." But you got to be honest. I loved the open. Thought it was a great match, you know. I'm not going to give it a great every match a grade, but let's be honest. Better than average, really mm-hmm. good match. You have the, you know, the next match up on the docket, another very, you know, between Finn and AJ. Really good match. What did we expect? Yeah. You know, you have that little stinker of a match, but then you bounce back, and I my, I agree with you. I loved, I think because of the story elements and the story they told in the main event, that's the only reason that was my match of the night, but my favorite match that was not inside of a cage was the triple threat because it was that damn good, mm-hmm. improving the fact once again that in 15 minutes you can tell a story. Even under 15 minutes you can tell a story. We've been saying this the whole time. Yeah. Stay true to the story, and it won't be overdone. The right ending happened at the right time in that match. And then you go to the main event to tell that beautiful story. So you had, for my estimation, every match on the card except for one was a really good match. That's why I don't think it hurt it as bad. But I, B plus is nothing to cough at either. Just yeah. take it out of the A session. Yeah, it's just like A minus B plus. But you know, it took me a while after the Ronda match to get back into the show. So I mean, that's just me personally, though. And you know what? I'm I'm going to address the online people. You know what? We don't have to talk about which show was better. Between it and Full Gear, they were their own shows. Oh yeah, exactly. And they have their own fucking merits, and I graded them, you know, as as what they are. And if you and yes, I graded Full Gear as a lower grade, but it's a whole different situation and company. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What worked for WWE and Survivor Series may have not worked for AEW. I mean, I think it would have in this case because it was kind of paint by the numbers. You had really good. You had two gimmick matches with the War Games and really good match 
uh, to open the show, get the energy flowing with the women's war games. You have a tremendous story at the end of the night with a, also a really good war games match with the men's war games. And in between, other than the match in the middle, it was kind of the stinker, if you will, in my opinion. Some other people might have liked it, but I didn't. Would mm-hmm. that matter? If, uh, only that. The other two matches on the card were mwah, chef's kiss. Really good matches, entertaining matches that told stories, but at the same time got it done in the ring with logical endings. And that's where you're going. And I also have to applaud, and this is why it's apples and oranges, is that, once again, this was a five-card fight compared to a 13-match fight. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. So, like, once again, I'm going to say less is more. I love this new WWE era under Triple H being six to eight matches on a pay-per-view. This was five, but both War Games matches with entrances were closer to an hour. Right. You know, I gave you the match time. With entrances, you're talking 50 minutes apiece. Mm, Easy. And as they should be. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. We got that many competitors involved. Yeah, it's going to take a while. So there's a lot. There's a lot of different things. So there's no reason to compare apples and oranges. The only competition. The only thing is that they are both wrestling companies. Mm -hmm. My criticisms of AEW and what they're doing on television is just that. The same as I have criticisms for WWE, mainly the Ronda Rousey WWE SmackDown Women's Title. Yeah. But once again, let's see how it plays out. Say the same thing for both sides. So that's why we call it right down the middle. We're not caring. I enjoyed a lot of things from them, both shows. It's apples and oranges. I don't care about comparing the two shows. Exactly. You don't need to make a comparison. Just be happy with the wrestling you're watching and like what you like. I'm with you 110%. Let's talk about the press conference, though. Yes. I will say this. AEW, Tony Khan, what I saw at the WWE press conference is what I've been saying. And go back. Am I wrong? No, you're right. This, this is, is what facts. I've been telling Tony Khan to do at the post-media scrums forever since the beginning. I have said, hey, Tony, don't be sitting on stage. Don't be sitting out there with the wrestlers. Let them have the moment. Let the you know the, the interviewers have the moment. Do not do it. Come out at the end or co- come out at the beginning and the end. Bookend it if you want. That's what you introduce, should do. Introduce it, give the business, and then come back out at the end to make a statement. Sitting there the whole time leaves you in a situation, especially when the thing that happened with CM Punk happened with looking like you had your foot in your mouth. Mm-hmm. If you weren't sitting next to him, you could have cut. You could have controlled that better, in my opinion. I think that that was one of the things that I when I saw this, I went, oh, this is a better handled that way. I like the fact that they showed the reporters. Yeah, that was key. I like the fact that so we could actually put a face to it, whereas it's very, you know, couple cameras only focused on the stage for the AEW scrums. So I did like that. And once again, I'm not shitting on the AEW scrums because I thought the last one was really good. I'm just saying it could do without having Tony there. Let's have the wrestlers answer questions. It should be about the wrestlers. It shouldn't be about the management involved. So let the wrestlers do what they do best. And just be on the sidelines and pop in when you need to, but you don't need to be on stage with them. The other thing that I think that they did a lot of like was there was a mixture of shoot and work. Yes. And I I like and I don't like that all at once, but I think it was handled very well. The last AEW Media Scrum was very good, mm-hmm. and I think this one is, is in that same boat where it did work out to mix shoot and work. Because we got things like the backstory, you know, we got the work backstory of Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair calling her up for the team. We again got like real new, you know, stories from both of them, including a great question that was asked. I sorry, I don't remember the reporter's name, but a great question asked about what are their future plans. And you know, Becky Lynch is like, you know, putting on great matches and you know, winning, being the first woman to win the Royal Rumble twice mm-hmm. was her exact. And then, of course, Bianca Belair was main eventing night two of WrestleMania, specifically night two. 
I thought that was really that cool. Was very and cool. I also like the fact of like asking Bianca, who do you see? Who do you see coming up? Who would you like to face at WrestleMania in a dream scenario? And her her response: Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, which they have not had a feud, Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. But I think that they're kind of setting up Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair Mania. I think so too, and I'm here for it. Oh, it would make some, it makes the most sense. I mean, Rhea is definitely risen up in the ranks. The work that she's she's literally carrying the Judgment Day on her back, and making that worthwhile. Also, I like this. Uh, I like the shorterness of this one because we had the two we had uh, two people from both of the War Games winning teams, and then we had the Triple H portion at the end. Let's talk about probably the better part, the biggest part of this was the Sami Zayn, mm-hmm. Paul oh, Heyman, so good. representing the winning Bloodline team. Uh, coming into this stuff, dude, Sammy basically did a shoot the whole time, talked about wrestling as a performance art, talked about, you know, behind the scenes, you know, that me and Kevin Owens, you know, you know, the relationship, you know, that, you know, everything, there's no Kevin Owens without Sammy Zayn. There's no Sammy Zayn without Kevin Owens. You guys all know this. So when you see that out there and you see what you saw tonight, it brought realness. And that's what you felt is it's real. And that's what we do. This is a performance art. And if I, we can make you believe it, that's where we're at. And I thought that was a really cool peek behind the curtain. And Paul Heyman kind of did the same. He gave a little peek behind the curtain, but then went back into the work section because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And I loved, loved, loved his explaining of the importance of Sami Zayn to the bloodline. Uh, basically saying, hey, he went from being a guy who were like, hey, you want to come do a thing with us? You can be a part of the team for tonight. And then we kept calling him back and calling him back and calling him back because he's getting it done. And then he turned around later on after Sami Zayn was asked about how he thought he where he fit in the pecking order because some people put him right behind Roman Reigns and he said, "Listen, I don't like that there's a pecking order. I think obviously Roman is on top, and then all of us are about the same. We're all you know we all bring something to the team." And Paul Heyman beautifully kind of gave the there is no drama in the bloodline. Here's what it is: the most important person is is Roman, and then the next important person is whoever Roman needs. If Roman needs guidance, the next important person is the wise man. If Roman needs muscle, the next important person is Solo. If Roman needs a tag team division because we're running everything in this damn business, then it's the Usos. And if Roman, what you found out tonight, needs loyalty, then Sami Zayn stepped in. And tonight was Sami Zayn's night. Tonight, Sami Zayn was the most important member of the bloodline outside of Roman Reigns. I thought it was perfect. Your thoughts? Absolutely perfection from both. And I love seeing Sammy win, too. Like, seeing how he handles this and in the spotlight, and especially Paul Heyman's quote. The easiest way to compare it to is Norman Reedus on The Walking Dead. Was it always supposed to be a throwaway character and then turned into the star of the show? This is what you're seeing with Sammy Zayn, and finally he's given that spotlight and he's running with it. And he has been so creative in making this Bloodline story work. Like, that's the thing, people. I, I know Roman gets all the headlines, as he should, but without Sammy in there, could you imagine somebody else in that same spot and the storyline being as over? I can't. I legitimately can't. I, I'm agreeing with you. I think this is amazing. I think this is a testament to uh, everything going on with the bloodline. Mm-hmm. I think go right from the top of that, the top of the bloodline, with the the big dog, the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. The the mind you, this is shoot, not work. The 
biggest draw in professional wrestling today, and I don't even no think question. it's an argument. No question. And I'm not shitting on anybody because, as we know, I love me some Will Ospreay. I love me Okada. I love me some Switchblade Jay White. I love Kenny Omega. I'm a big Kenny Omega mark. People, I love people forget about mm. that. And there's so many more people I love in wrestling. I watch a ton of wrestling. But I I have to admit it, and I've admitted it for a long, a long time, calling it right down the middle. The biggest draw in pro wrestling today is Roman Reigns. He is the big dog. That's why when you hear these rumors popping up about, you know, maybe Logan Paul could fight The Rock. No, 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 no. If The Rock is going to be at WrestleMania, it's Roman. there is one <laughs> match, and that is against the head of the table. We're going to find out who the tribal chief is. That is the only match that will happen. Will it happen? I hope so. Are they building towards it? Absolutely. But once again, The Rock's movie schedule will determine whether we see that or not. Mm-hmm. And if we can see it, I promise you that will be it. Also, I want to do dispel a rumor right now. There's a lot of people talking about uh, John Cena and Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin for Mania. I will say this, and I don't. And this is no disrespect, and I to either man, but the, the, it actually is going to be a full the boat. The three of them are on the same level as far as wrestling. Mm-hmm. The Rock, Steve Austin, John Cena. They're on that God tier. Let's yeah. be honest. They are on that tier with Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. who where Roman Reigns is going. I should say. At, tra- at current trajectory, Roman Reigns will be mentioned amongst those three guys' names. Absolutely. And when you go about the history of the business, three of the top acts of all time, John Cena, Stone Cold, The Rock, doesn't matter what order you put them in, right? hmm So I'm saying if The Rock is at Mania, you will not see the other two because you do not want to outshine The Rock. It's, it's too much, in my opinion. It's way too much, and not even if you put them on night one and night two. Like, separating them is not going to do any good. You're not going to see it. It's going to be The Rock's show if he's there. Now, if The Rock can't be there, I think, and this is why I said no disrespect, a good backup plan is Cena or Stone Cold. Now, Stone Cold, we last year, I don't think he's going to do another match. I really don't. So I would think it would be on John Cena in that case, if he can do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that John Cena is a backup plan, and that is no disrespect to John Cena. That is just pointing out the fact that I think that you can overdo it. And I think if The Rock is on this card, you have to go with the with that because it makes sense. Roman versus The Rock writes its fucking self. Oh, absolutely. The biggest movie star on the planet and, against and, the biggest and, rock. And, and here's the thing. If, uh, if if Cena comes in, it's going to be against an Austin Theory or somebody. Because it's not going to be against Roman. That's not the same draw. We've seen Roman and Cena. Yeah, I was going to say, it won't be equal value on that level. Because if Cena comes in, he's going to elevate somebody. Whether it's a Theory. Whether it's him and Bray Wyatt again. Whether it's him and Cody Rhodes. I mean, we've never seen that. Correct, correct. So that's why I'm saying if John Cena comes in, I do not think you plug and play him with Reigns. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. You could, I could see a Cena against a Logan Paul. I can see a Cena against an Austin Theory. I can see a Cena even against a Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I could. But I, I definitely will guarantee he will not wrestle Roman Reigns. Because the money's not there then. Mm-hmm. The money is in that one match. If not, Roman will face Cody Rhodes, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, too. Although, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's a possibility Roman Reigns wrestles Cody Rhodes on night one and The Rock on night two. There is a possibility that Roman Reigns ends both nights of WrestleMania. Can you imagine? That would be one of the most epic weekends. I'm going to take it a step further. This is how you separate the belts. Night one, one belt's on the line. Night two, the other belt's on the line. So night one, the WWE title would be on the line. Mm. The Raw belt, if you will. Night two, the Universal title's on the line. That'd be huge. And then if, if, if Roman wins, which I would believe he would win against The Rock, he still continues on that record title run. But we get the WWE title. The title that is... 
you know, the birthright of one Cody Rhodes off of Roman. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. No, it works. So there's a lot of things you can do, ladies and gentlemen. But I do think that that's what they're building towards. And I loved how Survivor Series came out. It's going to be a little bit of uh, hiatus uh, from pay-per-views for WWE because the next one isn't until the Royal Rumble. But, you know, I don't think that hurts them, though. No, I don't either. I think yeah. this is a good break. It is a good break. I think it's a good break. Uh, let's talk about Triple H real quick in the press conference before we end the opening contest. Triple H, I love what he did in the beginning. He came out and gave all the business, gave all the thanks to everybody, the staff, everybody, everybody to do with the venue, uh, said that this was the highest grossing Survivor Series of all time. He said it was the highest watched live Survivor Series of all time. I believe well. that. Uh, so you, we have those right out the gate, and then we turned over and got some great questions. And uh, you know, they asked him straight out, "Hey, we've heard that you know you've moved on from Hell in a Cell being a pay per view and possibly Elimination Chamber stuff. Is there, you know, is that is that something that might happen with War Games?" And I love what he said. I never thought about this until last night. He said, "Listen, Hell in a Cell shouldn't be a pay per view because Hell in a Cell is a match. It's a blow off match." You know, if if I have a problem, he's like, listen, I've done them in my life many times, as you know. Mm -hmm. But if I have a problem with somebody, I can say, hey, listen, I challenge you to the hell in a cell. You can't do the same with Elimination Chamber. You can't do the same, you know, yeah, you know what? We're having a problem. I challenge you to a six-man Elimination Chamber where me and four other people are going to take you on. It doesn't sound as good. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't do that really with war games either. You can build to war games, but you can't have one guy just be like, hey, me and you, just me and you have a problem. You know, yeah. we're going to war games. It doesn't work that way. And I was like, that's fucking, that's that's why he's making the big bucks. Exactly. Because I never really put that, you know, once he said it, I'm like, that makes perfect fucking sense. So he was like, like same with money in the bank. You're not going to challenge somebody to money in the bank. Yeah, me and, because can you think about it? Me and five other guys are going to get a shot at you. Yeah, it doesn't We're fight for a briefcase. It's not a one-on-one thing. If they decide to make this for the men's and women's money in the bank, the openers for nights one and nights two, or night two of uh, WrestleMania, I think that's perfect. I think that's money. Yeah, N- pun intended. Yeah, but and he would at least he didn't dance around. I thought it was a great answer, and then I love that he called the audible. And gave the young lady in the front row. Yes. Hey, she's been raising her hand the whole like there was supposed to be the last question was already over. He's like, hey, listen. This lady in the front row has been handling put her hand and you just pick dudes all the time. So what was your question? And it was a great question. Hey, we've seen your success at, you know, in, in London. We've seen your success elsewhere. Are you coming to, you know, you're gonna carry it around the world in Latin America? And I love Triple H what he said. We're gonna go everywhere. We wanna wrestle every, he's like, I wrestle around the world in my career. I love it. We wanna wrestle everywhere. So Latin America, absolutely. You know, Japan, Mexico, absolutely. Every any and everywhere, we're going. We're coming. Let you know now, we're coming. And I love that he even tipped something away because he said, Puerto Rico, we're definitely going to be there. Yeah. So obviously they have an event planned for Puerto Rico. Hey. Because why would you mention it by name? Exactly. And it's smart business because he wants to make it a global brand. He's going to do it. Like I think people forget about how much of a, a factor it is worldwide. Oh, people love it worldwide. And yeah. Yeah, we see that every time they go to a different country. Yeah. So I hope we get more big events, whether they're premium live events or whether they're just special events. Because a lot of times you got to remember, you know, a show like Crown Jewel, regardless of how you think of it, is not technically a premium live event. It's a mm. special event. Yeah. Uh, they did it before. Remember Beast in the East, yep. the Japanese show they did. That's a special attraction. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, just like they did one for Madison Square Garden, remember, with Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. His return to the Madison Square Garden. They did that. They do these special attractions, so you can do those as well. PLEs, like uh, like you know the castle. Yeah, a clash of the castle. castle. Yeah, or whether it's you know a you know a special attraction, 
I think this is perfect. I, I liked it. I love the answer. Yeah, no, I thought it was brilliant. I thought everything they did for this whole press conference just works, and this is something AEW needs to take notes on. And like I said, I'm not shitting on AEW, but a lot of the things that I had said that, hey, this would work a lot better, they actually WWE just did in theirs, and I was like, oh, it worked. Mm-hmm. So it just made me reassure me that I was right, and I'm not saying anybody's wrong per se. I'm just saying my thoughts were actually right because it came true. Yeah. So I hope we continue to get these press conferences because I thought they were pretty cool. And I love hearing Triple H at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Because I love how he did he did business, and then he did you know a peek behind the curtain for him, and you know he talked about how much he loved Boston and being trained there and wrestling the final mat, wrestling the final and the final card at the old Boston Garden, and it, I just thought that was really cool. Mm. Well, you know what else is really cool? That's going to bring us to the end of the opening contest of this show. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the second half of the show where we hit you off with the Indie Roundup and then we finish off the show by talking about the latest in the CM Punk AEW saga. The rumor mill is turning once again. Hopefully this is the final time we have to address it. We'll see. All that and more after this break. second half of the show and Ken M is destroying that baseline right now right take him home Ken M come on let's go you know when we come back for the second half of the show we got to kick you off with the indie roundup brought to you by fight.tv more specifically fight plus if you didn't know already, Fight Plus is a subscription service that you can get on Fight.tv for $4.99 a month. Say what? Yes, $4.99 a month. And Ken M, do you know what you get with that $4.99 a month? A lot of amazing independent pro wrestling to start with. You get live and archival shows. So you get past shows that are done. I know AIW is now adding their archive to Fight Plus. Oh, it's going to awesome. be being rolled out over time. GCW has added a lot of theirs, still being rolled out some more. And I, I'm pretty sure the other companies as well. Because you can get companies such as AIW, such as Game Changer Wrestling, such as Wrestling Revolver, ran by Sammy Callahan. Also on top of it, Black Label Pro is in the his house. And our good friends down at Glory Pro are all part of Fight Plus, plus much more. Man, you can even watch MMA, boxing, and slap fights. Let's go. All on Fight Plus Live, and uh, you can watch the replays as well on Fight Plus for $4.99 a month. That's right, $4.99 a month. Plus, on top of that, every month you get two fight credits. 
fight credits is every everything you buy on fight you get fight credits for if you bought, purchase it early and you get one for every dollar you spend so technically speaking that's two dollars off so for 4.99 is 2.99 technically because you get those fight credits and you can use those fight credits that you build over or up over time to purchase things from impact wrestling and other places it's an amazing deal so if you're a pro wrestling fan why would you not sign up also, if you're one of our international listeners, you can use those fight points to go towards buying AEW pay-per-views. It's smart. Unfortunately, in the States, we can't do that because... Reasons. Reasons. And it's annoying. But fight.tv is one of my favorite places to, to go to, one of my favorite places to watch wrestling. And at the $4.99, they're saving me a lot of money because, I, like I said, I used to spend, what, $60 about Give on take, GCW yeah. shows a month? Alone. 40 to $60 a month, and that, you know, sometimes even more? And now four ninety nine covers it all. The deals keep on coming. And uh, let's uh, now we're doing that. Let's break down some shows. There was a huge show that went down this past Friday on mm-hmm. Fight TV Fight Plus subscription for Absolute Intense Wrestling AIW from East Lake Ohio, right outside of Cleveland, from the Four Sports uh, Sportatorium, if you will. Uh, they had AEIW's Hell on Earth seventeen. This is their first uh, big show. It's their yearly big show. I mean, now Absolution is like their WrestleMania, but this is like the SummerSlam. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like their SummerSlam slash Survivor Series. Yeah, it's more of the SummerSlam because then you have, you know, uh, it's it's such a great time. Their Survivor Series, I would think, is more like J-Lit. Mm. Yeah, so the J-Lit tournament. And AIW is a great... If you like wrestling like in the style of let's, a PWG mm-hmm. or an AEW, if you will, Ring of Honor... AIW is your place. They get a little they get a little violent sometimes, but not the ultra violence you get in GCW with death matches. Right. So let's run down the card, shall we, Ken M? Yes. Uh, in the opening contest, Joslyn Navarro defeated Masha Slamovich in 10 minutes and 6 seconds. By the way, best women's match I saw of the weekend. I will second that. Joslyn Navarro's coming along a long way. Somebody needs to sign that young lady up. Mm-hmm. And Masha Slamovich, what the fuck else can you say? Exactly. Next up, we had a tag team match. The Bitcoin boys, Eric Taylor and Mikey Montgomery, defeated Hendricks, Hawkins, and Vic Vice, 11 minutes and one second. Two young kids stepping in because, I guess, uh, Parker Pierce took out Josh Prohibition? Yeah. That's what we were told. That's the story that was going around. Him and PME took out Josh Prohibition, so we didn't get Josh Prohibition there. We did get Matt Cross later in the show, though. Next up in a singles match, talking about young kids in the uh, coming up out of the school. Sean Mason defeated Cisco Silver in seven minutes and thirty six seconds. This was a good, uh, like one of the first times they've had this match before. But this is on the big stage. Yeah, and I thought that, that both these young kids handled it well. The AIW school is a prestigious school. Britt Baker went to that mm-hmm. school. Johnny Gargano was the head trainer. Him and Candice LeRae head trainers of that school for a long time. Yeah, no, this was a very solid match. Next up, we had a tag team match where members only Calvin G. Lewis and Malcolm Cambridge defeated the Philly Marino experience. Marino and Philly Collins, 10 minutes and 33 seconds. PME is one of the best tag teams in all of independent wrestling. Members only getting a huge win here. That was a big win. Next, we had the match that we knew was just going to be just brutal. And it was in all the best ways. Isaiah Broner defeated Dominic Greeny, 9 minutes oh. and 47 seconds. These two guys just beat the shit out of each other. Facts. If you're not familiar with both of these gentlemen, get familiar. Next up, there was an AIW World Tag Team Championship match. Your champions, balking season, defending against 9-5, to five, Jack Verville and Lewis Linden. This match got 9 minutes and 50 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your AIW Tag Team Champions, balking season. So that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Next up, we had a six-man Six-way technically way, mayhem match, they said. So it's a six-way scramble. 
At the end of the day, Austin James defeated Chase Oliver, Matt Cross, Riley Rose, Sam Holloway, and Tyson Riggs in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. Very good scramble match. Yeah, for not being GCW, like, scramble matches, AIW does real good. And I'm going to say our, our good friend Chase Oliver, the scramble match god, he did great in this match, just came up short. Yes. Next up, this is this is, makes my heart full, by the way. My boy, one of my favorite people on this entire fucking planet, Maserati Wes Barkley did it for did it for the homies as he defeated that son of a bitch Matt Cardona in 19 minutes and 47 seconds. Let's go! This was such a good match, and I'm so happy to see Wes win. By the way, great promo uh, before this match, stoking the flames of uh, returning to WWE yeah. for Matt Cardona, and it made its way around the internet. Guess what? The great match between these two. You know, this is a big feather in the cap of Wes Barkley being in there oh, with Matt huge. Cardona. They had a match before for the AIW Absolute and Intense title, and he came up just short. This match, uh, you know, uh, Matt Cardona showed that he never gave up his versions of those belts. So, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> he's I still claiming to be champion because he never lost them. I loved how he's working the crowd for this. And, I mean, what can you say, man? This was a really good match. This next match was a match that brought a tear to my eyes how good it was. This is honestly, and there's no shots on Wes Barkley. It's a great match. And later on, you're going to hear about our good friend JB, also with a good match. But this match was my match of the night. For the AIW Intense Championship in a three-way match, your champion, Derek Dillinger, defending the title against Kaplan and Matthew fucking Justice with Bill Alfonso in the corner, of course. At the end of the day, Derek Dillinger is still your AIW Intense Champion. And I'll tell you what, the Crimson Mask was fucking real. Matthew Justice was out of control in this one, and my God, yeah, he was bleeding. Just Dude, like, Derek Dillinger was bleeding buckets in the ring. Yeah, he was bleeding too, but like I said. Everybody was. Yeah, just right out the gate, and then the spot going through the stage. That was phenomenal. I want to throw this out there. This wasn't a death match. No. But it had the blood level of a death match. Oh, my match. God, yeah. It's fucking crazy. This was insane. And then next up was the main event of the evening. For the AIW Absolute title, your champion, Little Sid, Joshua Bishop, our homie, defending the title against one of the fucking legends of independent wrestling, Eric Stevens. This match got 17 minutes and 55 seconds at the end of the day, and still AIW Absolute champion, Joshua Bishop. And you know what? Joshua Bishop proved that he could wrestle with a wrestler. Yeah. No, this is phenomenal main event. And what can you say about Joshua Bishop, man? He is on that road to stardom. He's on that next fucking level. Yeah, like that's the whole thing. Like next watching him level. grow has been awesome. AIW will be back on Fight Plus on December the 30th uh, for all of you at home and returning to the company for that night. The bad boy, Joey Janela. So Friday, December 30th, and then Joey Janela will be taking his ass to uh, Atlantic City, New mm. Jersey because GCW is running their 31st and 1st at the showboat as they do every year. I don't know if I'm going to be in attendance this year, unfortunately, but it's always a fun time if you want to go see GCW. Check them out at the home of Game Changer Wrestling, the showboat. Give it a little plug there. But the night before, as they work together, they're friends in the collective. The night before, bad boy Joey Janela returns to Cleveland, Ohio, and the Odeon for absolute intense wrestling. So keep that on your calendar. Friday, December 30th, the next AIW show. You know what, though, Ken M? Hmm. Let's talk about this upcoming week. Yes. Because I think we got some shows this upcoming week, correct? I believe you, we did do. Did you hear that there were some shows? I heard that there was three big shows. I did, too. 
Well, guess what? Let's start off with the first of them from Game Changer Wrestling. It's going to be a double weekend once again for Game Changer Wrestling, Saturday and Sunday. First, the Saturday night card. So the Saturday night card is going to be coming to you from Pops in Saget, Illinois at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Very important to remember mm-hmm. this. And it's called Wasted Time. Ready to run down the card? Let's do it. Just signed today. All Elite Nick Wayne versus Jack Cartwheel. Ooh. Okay. That was just signed today. Yeah, I was going to say, first I'm hearing this. Also on the card, we got our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, going one-on-one with the East Coast ace, Jordan Oliver. Oh, that's going to be a great match. Effie goes one-on-one with the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. Is that a death match? Or? I no, no, no news yet. Okay. Sawyer, this next one's a death match. As Sawyer Wreck goes one-on-one with deathmatch legend Madman Pondo. Oh, shit. I had to look this one up, by the way. The Macisos, our friends, those Macisos, mm. Miedo Extremo, Ciclope, the reigning, undisputed, and defending Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions will be putting their belts on the line in a three-way dance. Okay. On one side, one of the other teams, second gear crew, the former champions, Matthew Justice and Mance Warner. And then the other team, Team E. ECW. And not only this is Team ECW, they are former ECW World Tag Team Champions. Hmm. They are legends, hardcore legends. The team of Two Cold Scorpio and the Sandman. Oh, damn. Former Tag Team Champions of the World in ECW. That's going to be a wild match. And, of course, there's more, there's more to be announced, but the last one we have announced so far is the main event of the evening. And it is for the Game Changer Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship. The man who holds that belt, the man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick fucking Gage, goes one-on-one with the king of wreck shit mountain and one of GCW's favorite sons, Cole Radrick. Man, this is a big challenge for Cole, but can you imagine if he gets that big dub? It's gonna, it's gonna be a something. Oh, that's gonna be something for the fans. All right, that's not all from GCW. That's just Saturday the third because they're back on T on Fight Plus on Sunday, December fourth at five p.m. Eastern Standard Time from the arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana. By the way, some of you remember that if you're an IWA Mid South fan because that's where their shows used to come from. Hmm. And it's called One Afternoon Only. Let's start with the match that was just signed today. Jack Cartwheel goes one-on-one with the Iron Demon, Shane Mercer. <laughs> okay. We know that Nick F. Engage will be in the house. Whether he's still GCW World Champion or not will be decided the night before. We know that Ali Catch will be there. Sawyer Wreck will be there. The second gear crew will be in the house. And now let's talk about the matches that we have on the house. Okay. This next match could either be for the Game Changer World title or not, depending upon the night, because Cole Raderick goes one-on-one with Effie. Oh, Cole Raderick is your champion. This will be for the belt. That would be amazing if it's for the belt. It's going to be a great match regardless, but if that's for the belt, though? Next up, young Billy Starks, the current reigning undisputed Black Label Pro champion, is going one-on-one with our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin. Oh, that's going to be a fantastic match. Talk about a six-man war. We're going to get Los Macisos. And you know when they owe six man, they add a different kind of boy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. Lloyd. And they're going to go up against the Rejects, Reed Bentley 
and of course, John Wayne Murdoch, and joining them, deathmatch legend, Mad Man Pondo. This yeah. is going to be de- <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah, it's going to be insane. In a first time ever, to my knowledge, match, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver is going to go one-on-one with the one called Manders. Yeah, I think that is the first time. And last but not least, in the match that I'm going to be excited for, this is a fight forever for the future because both of these young men are sub-21 from what I understand. One of them is definitely only 17. The other one I don't think is 21 yet. And they're both top-tier and injury set one back. But tonight, we get this, that night, this Sunday, we get to see all elite Nick Wayne go one-on-one with star boy Charlie. Let's go. Oh. GCW is bringing banger after banger to Fight Plus this weekend. Ken M., what are you thinking about one afternoon and, of course, wasted time? Wayne versus Starboy? Take my money now. That, it's, it's going down. That's going to be a phenomenal match. GCW has two loaded cards that are going to be must-watch. It's going down, folks. It's going down. Man. You need to get yourself Fight Plus. Absolutely. That's, that's not the only thing happening on Fight Plus this weekend. Oh, no. Because you, if you don't like GCW, I get it. Sometimes the violence might not be there. Whatever. Death matches scare off some people. I know this for a fact. On Saturday, December 3rd, also at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, unfortunately, at the same time. So you're going to have to watch one live or two screens, or you're going to have to watch one on replay, which you can do. Mm-hmm. That's the nice part about Fight Plus, right? Wrestling Revolver is bringing you season finale. Hmm. And they've bringing a fucking bomb-ass card. Are you ready to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, man. Uh, first of all, let me tell you about a special appearance. The Switchblades, John Moxley and Sammy fucking Callahan. Wait, wait, what? Yes, John Moxley and Sammy Callahan will be making a special appearance as the Switchblades. Doesn't say if they're having a match. Doesn't say if they're confronting somebody. But Moxley and Callahan will be in the house this upcoming Saturday. That's interesting. In a first-time-ever match, and I feel real bad here, our favorite person, favorite young female wrestler. Billy. Young Space Jesus, Billy Starks, gets to go one-on-one with Marina Shafir. Oh. Yeah. 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 Okay. In a golden ticket scramble. Now, this is going to be a scramble match, and the winner will be getting a title opportunity if they win ready for who's in it okay rocky romero jake chris one called manders matthew palmer fulton crash jackson and steve macklin one person will get a title opportunity when they walk out of that scramble with the win that's gonna be a great match um i'm gonna go on a limb and say macklin you know what macklin's been very impressively I, i can see him definitely winning this one Jake Chris is my second pick. Yeah, I can see that too, but I got a feeling Macklin's on. He's on a roll right now. Next up, for the Revolver World Tag Team Championships, your champions have to be in a three-way because the OGK, the Revolver Tag Team Champions, are going to be going up against Dad Scout and Infrared. (laughs) Okay. Next up is an Iowa death match. It's gotten the feud has gotten there. Jessica versus Allie Catch. Really? Oh, all right. That's going to be fun. Next, the Revolver Remix title will be on the line as your new champion as of the last event. Alex Shelley will defend the title against Masha Slamovich. Oh, that's match of the weekend. Oh, there's more. Because in for the Revolver World title, JT Dunn, your champion, defends against Trey Miguel. Oh, that's going to be good, too. Oh, oh, you think that's it? Because that's not it. 
You notice I never said main event of the evening, did I? No, you didn't. No, because there's three matches left. How about this first time ever for you wrestling fans? Ray Phoenix goes one-on-one with Zachary Wentz. Okay. How about hell of a war match? Shane Swerve Strickland, one-on-one with Rich Swan. Oh. We're talking about old school feud re- renewed. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's not even it, because I believe this next match will probably be the main event of the evening, unless they switch the matches around. But possible main event of the evening and possible match of the weekend, maybe even a match of the year contender. You notice how I'm building this up. Yeah. Th- By the way, I'm underselling this. It's being booked as an international dream match. Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with the Bullet Club's Kenta. All right. (laughs) I I will retract my statement. I will say co-match of the weekend. My God, I did not hear about this. Kenta's there. Kenta versus Speedball Mike Bailey. International Dream Match. Wrestling Revolver season finale going down this upcoming Saturday, December the 3rd on Fight. TV, more specifically Fight Plus. GCW, two big events. Wrestling Revolver, one big event. And that's not even counting whatever's going on anywhere else in the world of pro wrestling. That's fantastic. That's a that's a stacked weekend of pro wrestling alone right there. So if you're not signed up, Fight Plus, make it happen. Let's just say the next week's Indie Roundup will be a big one. Yes. Well, that's going to do it for the Indie Roundup. But we are not going to take a break because we only have one thing to talk about. And it's going to be back into all elite wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I, and once again, it's not good. We're past it. Yep. One of the podcasts that calls it right down the middle. Mm-hmm. I said what I said. No regrets. Nope. Nobody's regretting anything. Absolutely not. I still say small dick energy. <laughs> however, however, we're calling it right down the middle. So there's a rumor running rampant all over the internet, all over the dirt sheets. And I feel like if we didn't talk about this rumor, mind you, rumor. Yes. Nothing is confirmed, but rumor. And the rumor is that talks have ended with the buyout of CM Punk's contract. And there is no further talks to be had. Um, allegedly, Tony Khan has said, eh, we're not offering it. Which is now leading to speculation. And there's only two roads. I don't give a fuck about what anybody else speculates. Let's talk about the two roads. Two roads is this. One is that either there's a reconciliation or there was a belief that there could be a reconciliation and positive business could come out of this horrible fiasco. That is the first option. The second option is that Tony Khan has done probably the smartest business move since he got them to agree to four TNT events a year. Mind you, they have dropped the ball on those TNT events. I don't think that I'm the only one that feels that way. The Battle of the Belts have been a disappointment. Yeah, they've been subpar. They should be two, hour, they should be two hours long, and they should be treated as big events. Mm-hmm. And somehow they have not done that yet. That is Hopefully that changes. But, but, but him getting that, I said was a big business move for him, which is true. Yeah. This would be the second biggest or biggest move ever. And the other point is that he finally said, listen, there's nothing in this for me to pay you out and let you leave. Because here's the thing. CM Punk is on is on contract for two to three years. So that means he has almost a full year left or almost two years left. We do not know. Mm-hmm. If you paid him out and you worked out and what we were being told was what the what the snag was, was the no compete clause. Mind you, there is no, no compete clauses in any AEW contract. Maybe that'll change. I hope it does because it's smart. For it should business. change. Yeah. 
Hopefully he's learned that that changes. However, there is no no compete clauses in any contracts. So to get an early release and a payout, which would be this, there was a negotiation of a no compete. Like, hey, we're not just going to give you your entire money and say, hey, fuck it, go on your own way and have you show up on Raw on Monday, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. I thought they were smart. I obviously thought, you know, we heard six months or a year or whatever, no compete. And I was like, yeah, there's no way CM Punk is taking it. I would believe that CM Punk's, the largest amount he would wait was the standard 90 day. Mm. He probably offered that. Hey, I'll wait the standard 90 day. That's the most. Yeah. Tony Khan was probably at six months of a minimum. Yeah. Which is smart. It's smart, but. But basically what I think is that the it fell apart because of that, the no compete clause. Because CM Punk understands the king of petty, the man who's going to strike while the iron's hot, knows that he can go to WWE, and if he can bring them something that they want, we can look past the negatives hmm. to get what they want, i.e. him talking about his grievances with Tony Khan and all wrestling. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan has to know that. I didn't think for the longest time he was acting like it because a lot of things I feel like Tony Khan doesn't take seriously. I don't, and I'm not saying he's not smart. I am saying that there's times that I think he's drank too much of his own Kool Aid in his own hype machine, yeah. and he believes that oh, since we're the greatest promotion of all time, there's no way that CM Punk is going to go and talk bad about me. No way. We're friends. I know it ended kind of weird, but he's not going to go and do that. But guess what? He is. And I think somebody finally went, you know he's going to do that. Probably Jericho, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. So you can't budge because the more time it takes him to do it, as what you said to me earlier when we first t- talked about these topics, it does what, Ken? It cools things off. Right. And that's why you have a no-compete clause to begin with. Mm-hmm. So CM Punk's not a dumb businessman. He didn't make it in the world of wrestling and the politics that he dealt in, which we've talked about ad nauseum here, talking about how you know he's not a good guy because he never was. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He was a smart wrestler. He was a politician. That's why Eddie Kingston didn't like him. Yeah. Very open. And CM Punk will be the first to tell you he politicked the fuck out of his shit. That's how you make it in wrestling, unfortunately, especially in that era. Mm-hmm. And so CM Punk knows that there's money, and the quicker he can go and either, like we've said before, come out and give Hunter a big hug on the stage and then sit cross-legged in the ring and drop a pipe bomb on All Elite Wrestling from a Monday Night Raw ring mm-hmm. or go on a broken skull session now either way i think that's still happening it's less likely if you weigh it out that wwe is going to be like okay we'll bring in the ring yeah it's more likely it's just going to be steve austin broken skull session and we'll see if there's enough interest there to to justify bringing you in to do any work in the ring i would think that that's how it goes if you wait longer and as cm punk knows that that's less money yeah <laughs> that's one payday compared to a contract am i wrong no you're right so that is the big snack. So Tony Khan's smart play here is if you pull that away, that means he has to sit. You might, if he doesn't come back, if there's no reconciliation, that means he has to sit home until his contract expires. Yes, you're paying him. Yeah, you're paying him his guaranteed amount every month instead of all up front, which is fine. But he just doesn't go get to tell his story. Yeah. Or he can tell it early for less money, which he's not going to do. That's why he's keeping his mouth shut, by the way, folks. This is one thing I want everybody to understand. CM Punk is not a dumb man. CM Punk is a very vicious fucking, uh, you know, personality who that's how he got on top of the wrestling business. And you know what? If you don't love it, that's fine. I understand it. I don't love the way he did things, but I respect it. Mm. I respect his business acclimate. That doesn't mean I have to like it, but I respect it. 
He's a shrewd businessman, and he knows his worth. He's fucking cutthroat. Yeah. So that's why he's not talking, because he knows that he can make a shit ton of money from World Wrestling Entertainment in one of two ways to tell that story. So why give it out for nothing when he can just wait? Mm -hmm. He made the mistake once of giving it out for nothing for the Cole Cabana podcast because he was angry. Yeah. And now he's like, shit, I got sued for that, and I had to pay money for lawsuits for that when all I could do is wait to get money. That's 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 the beauty part of it. It's a scary scenario, but he is holding all the poker chips, so to speak. And now if Tony Khan is going to send him home, that's probably the smartest thing he can do. Well, here's the thing. If Tony Khan sends him home and doesn't allow him to go and prolongs this, as you point out, cooling it off a bit, then Tony holds all the chips, mm-hmm. which is smart. So here's what I'm saying. I think that right now this is a – Great business move, if true, for Tony Khan. I think Tony Khan has finally done the right thing in this situation and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to let you go home early. You can sit out for another year or another two years. I'll pay you, and when your contract's up, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. But you're going to honor the contract, right. which you have to legally. Mm-hmm. We're not letting you go early. So then one of two things can happen. Now the ball goes back to CM Punk's court, right? Because he can just go, okay, I'm going to sit at home and wait for my payday and get paid. Mm. or you know what you know let's keep it a little more fresh let's reconcile so where the good news of that is is that i don't think that he'll ever forget the scorn but you could talk cm punk possibly into coming back doing good business let bygones be bygones because i think cm punk understands enough that goes huh if it works out and then we can do water under the bridge then cool i make more money from aew if we can't work it out and do money under water under the bridge, I get to be relevant when I leave. Yeah. So once again, more money for me. So still Punk's holding some chips if he plays this right. So when he comes if he comes back to AEW, I don't know if it's a big slam dunk win or not. With all the information I gave you, what are you thinking about all of this? I think that he's just kind of waiting out to see what's going to be the the deal because if he's getting paid to sit home, he's fine with that. But this will cool him off a little bit. So I think it would be smart for Tony to see if they can work some business out. But if he can't, then Tony's got to do what he's got to do. and It's going to cost him. He's got to pay him to sit home. I would say this. If I'm Tony, I don't want a reconciliation. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it. And that's the reason why is I just said it. Like, you could literally have this guy sit home for a year or two, depending upon how long his contract is. His contract was at least two or three years. Right. So we know it's at least another year, pretty much, almost a full year. And then, of course, another year if it's three. So you're like, okay, he sits home. We have to pay him. Cool. We take the bullet. The locker room morale gets back. We get stories going. We start going. We write the ship, hopefully. And then we are on our sale. So when he finally gets to go and say whatever the fuck he wants and get a payday for it, it's not going to really matter because our fan base is going to go, yeah, but that was fucking two years ago. Mm. right? And that is the smartest business because bringing him back, you have to really, really hope that he has changed his ways. You have to really, really hope that it can be water under the bridge and that he can be in a locker room with Chris Jericho and the young bucks and Kenny Omega and hangman page and Cole Cabana and whoever else. And even Tony Khan, because you gotta remember Tony Khan's been poking the bear too. Mm -hmm. You have to hope that, you know, he can come back and he's not just putting on a fake face that he's not just coming in to be the snake that he is and go, okay, I'm just going to come in and I'll eat a pin from Omega and I'll eat a pin from Hangman and I'll eat a pin from some guys. But here's the thing. I'm still a draw. They're going to end up, you know, fucking giving me some wins and stuff. I'm going to say so long, Arriva Durce, when it's over. 
And then, because I was in matches, I can just go right to the other channel and go, hey, remember me? I just main evented the last pay-per-view where Kenny Omega beat me. Funny story about that is, this is why. Yeah, I did business, but fuck them. And here's XYZ. Mm -hmm. Here's the fucking dirt. Here's what I'm being paid to tell you now. And it would keep him relevant. It wouldn't cool him off. So I think really, realistically, now mind you, he could come back, turn a new leaf, and everything could be... You know, perfect for AEW. But that's really the three scenarios. Like the one, there's two scenarios. And then out of the, the, the reconciliation one, there's, is he doing it to get himself more money elsewhere and holding a grudge, which we know he can hold a grudge. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's fucking Scott Colton. That shit happened over a decade ago. And we just had it blow up in our faces, you know, a few months back. Mm -hmm. So he can hold a grudge. So is he coming back to hold a grudge and just faking being nice to be the snake that was healed back? To then bite you? Or is he really going to try to work something out and reconcile with the company and grow? And then you get him under another contract and we can maybe go past this horrible mess and a brand new CM Punk and a brand new era for AEW possibly in the right direction. You have to ask yourself that. So that's a real thing for the reconciliation. And the other one, this more clear cut, is cool his ass off for a year or two. And yeah, instead of being in a raw ring, he'll probably just be on Broken Skull Sessions. Yeah, it's going to hurt you. But if you build it in the right directions, it's not going to really do anything. Yeah, that'd be the smarter play because if you let him back on the show too, okay, you've already now had numerous instances where you've poked him a little bit. Take a look at the recent Dynamite. They, you know, the biting from Kenny Omega, the Matt Jackson uh, buckshot lariat, fuck up. The, you know, the, the next thing is, no, we're going to bring a dog to the ring. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, yeah. No, that's like I say. If they, if they keep poking Got my at him, BTE, like, cutting down the crowd so you could just hear the crowd yelling, fuck CM Punk. Yeah. yeah. Like I say, those little pokes, he remembers. He is the king of petty. So the more you keep doing this, the more he's just going to sit there and just let it build. So if you, the only option you have is to cool him off because if you bring him back, sure, it might be a honeymoon phase yet again. I don't even think it would be a honeymoon phase. I think he'd be on his best fucking behavior for the remainder of his contract because I think in his mind he goes, oh, I get to play along, I'll play ball, eat some pins, I'll act like I'm the nicest fucking guy, I'll lead him along so I can get more money in a contract, and then when it's when I leave, I'll just go to the other channel with no, no, no compete and show up and go, hey, uh, yeah, you thought I was being nice? No, fuck them. This is what I, you know. Yeah. That's what. But once again, it'll be relevant because people have been seeing him on television. Mm -hmm. That's all key. So the smart play is to pay him to sit home and make him an afterthought. And also, you're building the company back. Yes, there's some growing pains. Yes, I don't agree with everything they're doing. But I still see that they're trying to build a morale now. And it looks like they're getting there from the outsider perspective. Mm -hmm. It looks like they're getting there. Are they in final form? Are they running great storylines? Are they doing the right things booking? No. I'm sorry. They're just not. However, if the backstage, which was pretty toxic according to a lot of people, not mm -hmm. just with the punk stuff, but other things. A lot, yeah. And we've heard a lot of dirty laundry, mm -hmm. but we haven't heard that dirty laundry since the punk stuff. The last thing was Andrade and Sammy, and that was like right piggy pal piggy backed off of the punk stuff right so we haven't really heard in the last two months give or take right so the 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 outside looking in looks like okay maybe they're getting their back of the house in order and then we can do better with the booking and stuff would you sacrifice that and i i wouldn't but would you sacrifice that for the ratings draw that is cm punk because let's be honest without cm punk they have taken a hit oh they've taken a big hit and that's the thing 
If you bring him back, you'll get a rating spike, sure, but you're back to square one with your problems. So no, I would just build a company and be the true alternative that you guys were saying you are going to be three years ago. If you do that and you build your locker room up to a place where wrestlers want to be at and it's actually a positive working environment, they're going to give you their best product they can. But if everybody's having all that drama and tension, how do you think that's getting reflected in the shows? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a trainer. So I really think the smart business move was, yes, Tony Khan did a great business move by yanking the negotiations, which allegedly, mm-hmm. once again, but it's being reported widely. And I think the biggest thing he should do is just let the fucker sit home. You will build back those ratings. The ratings aren't that far gone. The biggest thing, the biggest hit was the live gate. Yeah. They've had a problem selling tickets. Now, Uncle Dave, you know, to defend them, said about making $7.5 million last week between the pay-per-view and some other things. But I'm like, Dave, you've even gone and saying that they've had a real crisis in ticket sales. Mm. We, It's not like it's not undocumented. There's pictures fucking everywhere. You can go to WrestleTix and other platforms that aren't just cooking numbers or giving you bullshit numbers and you can see for yourself i mean there wasn't that long ago that a six thousand seat arena that they were running they sold 2900 tickets to mm. like that's a problem yeah and even me i went to fucking dynamite and rampage in albany new york fifteen thousand seat arena that first of all they didn't open it all up but secondly half of the downstairs bowl that they had opened up was empty so, like, out of a 15,000-seat arena where they were trying to sell, I would say, probably 9,000 tickets, eight 9,000 tickets, there was four to 5,000 people there. And that was right off the heels of the CM Punk stuff. So I think that that, that would have been lower, p- potentially, if CM Punk, if that issue was already resolved. Mm-hmm. If CM Punk was there, I think you could have gone fuller. Oh, Absolutely. I think you would have sold whatever and more. You could have got 10,000 people easily because Raw came to that same building in Albany literally a month later and sold 14,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. Not a complete sellout, but 14,000 tickets isn't a, isn't a lot to scoff at. Right. So don't tell me there wasn't fans there. They came to one, but not the other. Yes. And once again, Dave Meltzer has confirmed those facts. Yes, he talks out of both sides of his mouth, but you know. Just proving the fact that everybody knows that it's happened. Because trust me, I don't think the gospel of any journalist, and if you listen long enough, you know I don't like any of them. Because mm-hmm. it's all bullshit. They're all, they're all out to make their money. And I get it. Respect everybody's hustle. But I also can respect the fact that they don't know what they're fucking talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully Tony Khan does the right thing. And speaking of uh, Tony Khan and AEW, I'm sure we'll be talking about them next week on the show. But before we go and let these fine people go, Ken M., how, one more time, do they find yourself in the ODPH podcast? Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page, along with the Patreon link. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. The T Public Store, blogs, classified section, music section. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can be found at odphpodcast.com. For all things 3FN Podcast, visit 3FNpodcast.com. Social media links are there. Patreon links there. T Public links there. Friends of the Show link is there. Includes ODPH podcast. Uh, the uh, band directory is there. Floodlands, who does our opening theme, and the people who do our closing theme, Second Suitor, check them out as well. They're in the musical directory as well. Check them out. Both make sure you're supporting those bands on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. Of course, there is the local sponsors page, which includes 607TWS's main sponsor, Dragon Master Games. Remember, for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. Thank you for doing enough to support all that we do, including 607TWS, so we do not have to put annoying fucking commercials into <laughs> our shows. 
with that being said, though, 3FNPodcast.com. And until next week, when we're back to talk more pro wrestling, which will include the Indie Roundup, where we, we give you the review of the GCW shows and the Wrestling Revolver show, including whatever news goes down in the world of wrestling between WWE and AEW and New Japan and everything in between. Because remember, we are building, we are building, Ken M, to Wrestle Kingdom as well. Go ahead. And we need to remind everybody to be watching all the 607 Podcast social media because the Brody Awards will be coming out. Well, I was just going to talk about that. Next week, we will be actually launching because it'll be the first thing of December. We will be launching into the Brody season because the first show of uh, January of 2023, we will be talking about, we will be giving out the Brody Awards, which are the best of the year for 607 TWS in honor of my late great friend Brody Lee. We call them the Brodies. Next week on the show, we will be announcing, we will give you the rundown of everything that's under, and then we will be announcing when we're going to be opening it up because we want to get the fan vote and nominations in there. So we'll be splitting it up between our social medias for you to vote. So we're going to go over that more next week because we're going to kick it off and we'll put out for that week X amount of the categories. Any of you can send in your nominations when we do that underneath whichever, you know, it'll be mostly, it'll be on our social medias. It'll be both on ODPH and the 3FN, we'll combine those. We'll take the most voted ones in, plus ours, and we will put them as a poll, and you guys will get a vote, and you'll be the tiebreaker vote between mine and Ken's as far as where the full award goes to. We usually give an award for ourselves, our nominee. We'll give the fan nominee, and then we'll give who wins overall because of that. That is usually how we like to do it, so that's what we're going to do this upcoming year as well. So make sure you stay tuned so you can be interactive with that. That will be starting next week. So on the show, we will go over the awards that we will be talking, that we'll be putting in the uh, inside of the social media post for you guys to give your nominations to. So you can pick one or two nominations for each award. Don't have a problem with that because usually we do an honorable mention as well. Mm-hmm. So pick one or two. So like it'll probably start off with the things like, you know, female wrestler of the year, male wrestler of the year, um, you know, such like that. You don't break out star of the years on the list. There's a ton of stuff. So we're going to break them into like four things and then have you guys dwindle down. And then the vote will come at the end right before we do it. So we'll take the top ones. Boom. And you guys get your vote on. So with that being said, until then for myself, for Ken M take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And last, but certainly not least later wrestling.
towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three 